Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. Well, good morning and welcome to Real Life Church. We are so pumped to worship God with you today, and we are believing for big things in Jesus' name in this place. So whether you are with us in person right here at Kentucky Trail, or whether you are watching from home or online, go ahead and stand to your feet. Let's worship God together this morning. Don't be afraid to clap those hands. Move your body a little bit.
Yes, let's give God some praise this morning. And hey, regardless of how many armies maybe seem to coming after you, or how impossible the odds may seem, take hope that there's nobody greater than our God. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. All I see is a mountain, you see a mountain And as I walk through the shadows, your love surrounds me There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe
Amen. And Jesus, we have the victory over every battle we face. Nothing that is in front of you is too big for our God. He goes before you and he will never leave you or forsake you. So let's lean in this morning and lift up our praises to our God, who is our living hope.
hope. And no matter your fear, your anxiety, your depression, no matter your circumstance, the darkness around you, God is alive. And he's for you. So I invite you to lift up your hands, close your eyes, lean in to all that God has for you today. He's for you. Lean in and release to him. Give him everything you've got. He's your living hope. Give it up big for God this morning. God, we just come to you today. We're just on fire for you, God, because the message of that song is true, God. You are living hope. And we just lay everything down at your feet today. We're going to lay all those doubts, all those fears, all those worries, everything that's just on our minds today that takes away from you, God. We're just going to throw those down at your feet, God, because we celebrate in the fact that you bring that living hope into our life. And my prayer, God, as we leave here today on fire, that we just explode out of those doors this morning and that we bring that living hope to a community, to a country, to a world that needs you, God, that needs your voice, that needs your hope today. Everybody online and here in the room today, let's say it together in Jesus' name, amen. What's going on, Real Life Church? Are you glad to be here this morning? Yes, man, me too, me too. What an amazing morning of worship, and I promise you, we are just getting started. Before we do anything else, though, let's welcome an amazing group of people. They're called Real Life Church Online. Can we give it up big form right here in KT this morning? Man, Real Life Church Online, we are just so honored that you worship with us each week, that you're part of our community, part of what we're doing, wherever you are in the world. And hey, maybe you are listening to us in the future. Maybe this is like Thursday of this week and you're checking out a podcast or a YouTube. I have one question for you. Did the Chiefs win? You're in the future, so you know before we do. Am I blowing your mind? This is really awkward. Hey, guys. (laughs) Seriously, we're so pumped, though. We love that you connect with us. And I love, though, that, you know what? You want to hear that awesome point again? You can check it out in the future. So that awkward moment was brought to you by Real Life Church Online. Check us out on Facebook. Everyone in the room, have a seat. We're just getting started today. We're so pumped that you're here. You know, if you're brand new at Real Life Church, I invite you to get your phone out right now. 
and text RLNEW to 97000. When you do that, a member of our connection team would love to reach out to you at some point this week. You know, that's actually like their gift and their talent, and it's what they love to do. So you are never a burden by doing this. Like you're gonna make someone's week by reaching out to us because they just wanna answer any questions that you might have about Real Life Church. They wanna know how, how they could be praying for you this week. So if you've never connected with us before, we would love to hear from you today. And we'd also love if you would stop by our new here booth right out there in the hub. You can't miss it. We have a small gift for you. It's just our way of saying thanks for being here with us at Real Life Church this week, whether you're online or in person. You know a little bit more about us here at Real Life. We're a church on a mission. And that mission is to see people far from God discover their real life and purpose in Jesus. And one of my biggest takeaways, if you were here last week, if you heard the message last week, was, man, what we're doing right now, this is just practice. This isn't it, right? This isn't where the story ends, where the week ends. This is where we begin our week and we go out into that community and we find those people that need that living hope in Jesus. We find those people that are close to us and far from God, those neighbors, those coworkers, and we just pour into them and help them find the God who loves them. Amen. Does that sound good to you? Man, that sounds good to me. And you know what? If you haven't joined us on mission yet, that's okay. But I just want to encourage you, dive in. Dive in head first this week. Don't, don't test the water. Don't dip your toe. I want you to dive in with some blind faith because I promise you when you do, God's going to do some amazing things, not just in your life. You will be blessed. But man, think of all the blessings that you can be when you're used by God to make an impact in our community. Does that sound good? It's not just me, right? That sounds amazing, man. We would love to have you join us though on mission if you're not currently, man. Get pumped up, it's gonna be good. All right, hey, I'm equally excited. I'm pretty excited about most of these, uh, these announcements, but I'm equally excited about our next message in the series, Infected. Have you been blessed so far? Have you been challenged? Maybe that's the better word, have you been challenged? Man, I know I have, because you know, 2021, and if we're being real, 2020, I guess we could just be real, like basically every year for the past however many years, fear has taken over. The, the voice of fear in our life and the public discourse, and let's be real, that fear is pretty contagious. It's easy to spread, it's easy to share on social media, it's easy to drive those conversations. But man, Sean Petrie today is gonna bring us a word of what happens when we let the voice of God and the light of the gospel just infect our lives so we can be contagious in a world that needs him. Let's make Sean feel so welcome. Isn't it good to have Sean Petrie back? Come on, Sean. Bring us a word today. It's going to be good. Future Drew, I love you, buddy. <laughs> so you watch it later. Where does Drew come up with this stuff? I have no idea. I love it. But, man, I'm glad back in the house. Me and my family went on a little vacation uh, to some national parks. Uh, tons and tons of hikes, awesome views. And uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit today. But first, I want to say welcome to everyone, especially if it's your first time here. I know I talked to somebody earlier, or you're watching online for the very first time. Thank you for being here. I know a lot of people have been checking out what God's doing in our church, and so thanks for doing that. Come on, give it up for everybody who's new today. Let them know you love them. Come on. Let them know. Uh, last week, all I got to say is uh, Johnny 
preached and tore down the house. Come on, somebody. Were you here last week? Man, I'm telling you. I watched it Wednesday, and I was like, this boy's on fire. And I was a little jealous because that boy can preach and he can sing. Come on, man. It's just not fair. You're so gifted, you know? I mean, and he was singing while he's preaching and preaching while he was singing. He did the whole nine yards. That last uh, five minutes, man, I, I told Jared, I said, you got to clip that and just put that on social media. That thing is money. So, man, Jared, I love you. That was incredible. And the, his labor pains, by the way, you remember his labor pains or crossberries? He's talking about, nah, he was walking a thin line, but it was good. Um, but I know he loves people. Uh, he loves our church. And more importantly, he loves God. And uh, he's incredible. Uh, I just amazing to have him on the team. So, man, love you. Proud of you. Come on, give it up for Johnny last week. Absolutely incredible. Tearing it up. Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit about our trip because I can. You're a captive audience. And um, I've been interested to tell people. So here it is. So we went out. We did five national parks. So started Grand Canyon and worked north and uh, Zion, Bryce, uh, Canyonland, and uh, Arches. And so I took my family out. So here's a picture of us, uh, one of the parks cruising. I think this may be Arches. But yeah, you got down the bottom, you got little Levi. He's cruising. He hung out literally the whole time. It was cool. Uh, Jack, he's almost five. This dude literally hiked almost everything we did, about 25 miles together as a family. And he hiked almost everything but a half mile. And that was painful for me, carrying both kids. But. And then Emery, uh, she's hanging out in the, in the, in the back there. And uh, dude, these, the two little ones, Emery and Levi, got hand, foot, and mouth. Come on, hashtag church nursery, somebody, somebody, who was it? It was cool. We're not going to try to find the person to start with, not that kind of people. Um, but, yeah, we cruised with them, so it was awesome, a lot of fun. I mean, you know, it's cool when you're on a vacation, and I've never been to a national park. That's weird, right? I mean, unless you count the St. Louis Arch, that's not really the kind of park I'm talking about. But hiking around and everything, it's just amazing the, the stuff you see. Now, who's been to a national park before? Yeah, you all know. You're like, oh, that's why it's National Park. Yep, yep. Can't see that in Raymore. Kept saying that a lot, you know. But it's every, everywhere goes, wow, this is incredible. And it kept reminding me of a verse, just like how amazing God is. And it's found in Psalm chapter 8, verse 3. It says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place. And by the way, we're driving out of arches, and the moon came up between, like, Park Avenue, which is, like, uh, this giant canyon, and it's, like, perfect. And we try to get the picture, but you know, 40 miles an hour with a phone out the window. It just didn't turn out good, but man, it was beautiful. And think about this. He says, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? Like, who am I, God, that you're mindful of me? In the middle of all this creation and solar systems and galaxies and all this beauty that God chooses to think of me. Isn't that incredible? That God's thinking of you today, of everything. And that just really stuck with me. It's just human beings that you care for them. And I just believe that God just isn't good. He is so good to us to think that he actually cares. Because I'm like, dude, this is a, you could get lost in just the beauty of nature. But here's what really is going on. This next picture, check it out. It's coming. Oh. <laughs> dude, I was just trying to hike a trail, and she couldn't keep her hands off of me. She's like, mm, man, the way you're carrying that, mm, whatever. I'll tell you, when you bring three kids un under five on a vacation, it, that's, you saw that. That was it. All right. I'll move on from that. But <laughs> some of you are like, what kind of church is this? This guy's crazy. Um, yeah, but fa favorite, I got to tell you my favorite story of the hike. It'll tie right in the message, but, um, or of the vacation. It was one of the hikes went on, and we did the sunrise hike in Zion, and it was like an hour from where we stayed. And we stayed in the bush. We were like in a tiny house, like legit on a trailer. And you walk out, and it's like, hello, there's nobody here, and your phone doesn't work, obviously. So uh, so we got to set the phone, check this out, 3.15 a.m., come on, somebody. 
Now you'll look like I'm a psychopath, but Diane, she scheduled this. This was her idea. So I wasn't upset nothing. So I set my phone for 3.15. I get up. I, I'm already pretty much loaded. I just threw everything in. It's like 3.45 and kind of waiting to move anybody. And I'm like, hey, babe, 3.45, you get up? She goes, you're a psychopath. Psychopath. First thing she looked, she looked like just all mad. I was like, what do you mean? She goes, it's 2.45. I'm like, it's not 2.45, it's 3.45. Her phone was like on a different time zone than mine. Like, they'd never synced up. So I was like, okay, well, we'll see what happens. So we drove in the dark, obviously, got up to this, um, this overlook, and I, I got Emery on my back, and we got everybody situated and got our headlamps on, and here's kind of a picture of what it looks like at about 5 in the morning. We set out, okay, and we start climbing, and, like, the very first thing that happens starts to rain. Come on, somebody. And it's like 40, you know, 45. It's, it's not a fun experience. It's coming down. It's not crazy pouring. But it's slippery. Like the rocks. These are like chiseled in rocks, you know. It's around this, on a, probably never been there, but it's overlook pass. And you come around the outside of this mountain, basically. And it's just like a drop off on your left. And so I got Jack and Emery in my back. And I'm like holding them super tight. And I'm, you can't see over the edge. Like you can look, but it's like darkness. And you're like, is that 100 feet? Is that 1,000 feet? Like, is that 10 feet? You have no idea. So Jack is like, Dad, you're squeezing my arm too hard. Oh. I'm like, yep, that's how it's going to be, boy. And so we kind of walk around the trail. And you know what's really freaky on a trail, like at 5 in the morning with three kids in the rain? It's when you stumble upon somebody sleeping in the middle of the trail. It's awkward, man. You're like, oh, hey, buddy. Hey. Now he like, this dude wakes up. Whoa, is it raining? I'm like, bro, are you stoned, you know? And um, I was like, yeah, yeah, it's raining, man. And I'm like, well, you probably know about this trail. How much farther to the overlook, you know? He's like, quarter mile, and he pops out. He's like, it's so beautiful. Oh, man, he goes all crazy. I'm like, cool, man, that's awesome. So, so we make our way down the trail, and uh, it gets to this point where it's, like, getting narrower, and it, you can't see off the edge, and you're like, man, this is getting kind of sketchy. Like, should we turn back? And Diane's like, it's so freaky out here. I'm like, it's freaking awesome is what you're trying to tell me. Middle of the night, headlamps is, like, favorite thing. So it gets to the point, though, where, like, we kind of lose the trail. Like, is it this way or is it this way? Either way, it kind of looked good. So I was like, just hang here. Give me 10 minutes. I'm going to come back. I'm going to go check it out. She didn't hear the whole, like, 10-minute thing, come back. I don't know what. I mumble a lot. So she thinks I just left her. So I just took off on the trail, just seeing if this is the right direction. I thought it was a little sketchy. And the uh, whole time she's sitting there like, did this guy die? Like, did he fall off the cliff? Did he leave us? And so I come back, and uh, she looks at me like, we thought you died. It's like raining on the kids and everything. I was like, I'm alive, <laughs> you know. Surprise, I'm here. And um, she's, she looks at me and says, I thought you got lost. We're going to be stranded. And the worst part is you have all the snacks. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I was the pack mule of the trip, you know, just like hook more things onto Sean, you know. At one point, literally with the kids and weight, it was like 100-some pounds. I was like, this is awesome, right? Like, just if I can do this, right? Anyway, uh, it's but that fear, like, builds up, doesn't it? Like, you ever been, like, lost or, like, afraid, and it's all of a sudden, it's like that fear is, like, contagious. Like, one thing leads to another, and you think, all worst case, I'm stranded forever. Like the sun's going to come up, I'm stranded forever, it's raining, you're going to melt, you know, all these things. That happens in our life all the time. We run the worst case scenarios. And I think in this season, like, and I see this a lot, there's so much negativity and there's so much fear of the unknown. Like even with COVID, I was even talking to somebody this morning, it's like, man, I'm so over this. Like, and things keep changing. And like, I don't know if we're going to be stuck here forever. Like the unknown uncertainty is like a playground for fear. Like, especially if you've got like a big decision coming up. 
like maybe your job is shifting or you don't know if you're going to work at the company. I know some of you are like ready to be gone, but you're kind of stuck, you know. <laughs> you don't know what's next or where you're moving or what God is calling you to. And it's like oftentimes it's like the worst case scenario runs right into our mind. And we tell ourselves this so much, man, I'm never going to make it. Anybody tell themselves that? That's like a normal thing for me. Like, oh, it's like the least faith way of thinking. But I'm always like, nah, that's not possible. And then it's like, no, God can do it. Or like, why try? Man, I'll never be as good as that, right? Like, always compare yourself to somebody. Like, we're never going to be good as pickleball as Aaron Chai over here. Come on, somebody. Come on. I'm not even going to play because of you, Aaron. You know that? You're so good. What would you say? Won't happen. I'll see you at the court. And I'll see you in the parking lot. All right, I'll stop. I'll stop. But it's, it, it's, 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 it's way too difficult. Like, there's no way I could ever do this. Or, or people say, I'm worthless, right? You don't tell people that, but you tell yourself that all the time, that self-talk. Or um, it'll just end up like last time. Like, you remember what happened, you tried that, and you took a step of faith and it didn't work out. And that fear is so contagious. Matter of fact, if you go back to, like, the number one post, okay, of 2021, the first quarter on Facebook, like the most read, shared post, this is incredible. You, some of you all read this and shared this. Uh, I know I saw this. Uh, but here was the title. Healthy doctor died two weeks after getting COVID-19 vaccine, CDC investigate. Anybody remember that title? Just me, huh? I remember because Diane was she was sitting next to me in bed, and she said, do you see this article? I was like, no. And she read the title about the, somebody dies two weeks after getting the vaccine, and my first thought was, oh, I love these hype headlines. Like, did you die in a car accident? You know, like, what happened two weeks? Like, it doesn't really say. They don't have any facts on it, but it was so, so much fear around the vaccine. Like, you get it, you die. It's got to be shared. So 54 million people read and shared this post. Isn't that incredible? Like, I'm like, dude, I'm a pastor. Like, I see people, funerals, all, you know, it's like, who knows, right? But the high, like, just the unknown about it is so much fear. And our conversations nowadays, there's a lot of fear around COVID still. Like, man, the world's falling apart, we're never going to make it. Or, like, the second shutdown, and people are freaking out everywhere. I talked to a guy earlier at church freaking out, you know. Or people, like, we're freaking out, we're losing our rights every time we, you know, presidents and stuff, right? It's like, man, they're stripping away our gun. I talked to somebody, we're losing our guns, right? It's just, a, you always talk about guns. Guns and Jesus. Come on, somebody. <laughs> kind of church we are, right? Anyway, uh, or, or the fear of getting vaccinated or the fear of not getting vaccinated, right? Like, it plays into both sides of this. And some are, like, extreme fears and some are, like, rational, but it's kind of fun to listen to. Um, or the fear of the opposite party winning the election. If so-and-so wins or they did win or whatever, this place is going to H-E double hockey sticks. Come on, somebody. I mean, you know you talk, to, there's always that person that's like, oh, my, I can't believe the, you know, it's the next headline, right? Or the fear of the economy crashing. Like, it's just too good to be true, baby. I mean, this, this housing market can't keep up. Or the fear that Christmas is getting canceled. Come on, somebody. Is anybody afraid of Christmas getting canceled? I mean, the American Christmas can get canceled. Come on. I don't need any more Chinese-made toys. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Preach. Preach. You come on my house, I'll stack some toys up for you. I got plenty. I can't find my toys inside all my toys. It's like so many toys. I'm like, dude, you're so spoiled. But it's always worst case scenario, right? Worst case scenario. I was looking at the Weather Channel. I'm a, just, I like to look at the weather, I guess. And the headline just hit me. And it was just so random. It was this week, a couple days ago. 25% of American infrastructure at risk. Interesting. Of the ocean rising and being covered in water. Oh, wow, I'm so interested in that article, right? Like, really, if the water rose, it'd be underwater. Interesting. Major cities could be inundated. This was yesterday, 
Weather, what's the weather? I just want the weather. Major cities could be inundated. Here's what sea level rise could look like around the world. It could look like anything. Just start coloring things in. Like, it's, it's unreal. Like, do we care? Did anybody care about that? Is it me? If you really do care about it, I'm sorry I'm offending you. But it's crazy. Like, I'm not really worried about the earth getting covered in the flood because guess what? There's a promise it's not going to cover in a flood. Come on, somebody. Genesis 6, a rainbow. It's a covenant that God's not going to flood the world. And they're talking about, I should be afraid of this? Like, it's so weird. But fear is so contagious. It's like when you're driving a car ride, which we drove 3,500 miles. Come on, somebody. And somebody says, I have to pee. Then everybody says, I have to go pee. Come on, you've been there. It's why I don't go with Barry on car trips, because his bladder is the size of a squirrel's bladder. Come on, somebody. It is so true. It's so true, Barry. I told him, I told him in the first gathering, I said, Barry bought that, he bought a Jeep and he had the doors off of it. That way he can just pee as he drives. Come on, somebody. <sighs> I've been on many trips, church trips, where a bus door has been open and people peed off it. I've been on one trip where Barry was peeing on the side of a bus tire and I was so happened to be driving and he, I just took off while he was peeing and he just run down the highway. <sighs> it is a true story. I-44, he'll never forget it, and so will so many other people scarred. And I got so much I want to say, but I'll stop. All right, anyway, fear is so contagious, isn't it? I mean, one person has fear, and everybody paralyzes. Or like on a trail, like you're afraid. It's dark, you can't see, it's cold, it's rainy, it's unknown. And you're like, worst case scenario, we're going to die. You know, like we're going to fall off this cliff that's thousands of thousands of feet, you know. And you just kind of get paralyzed, like what do I do next? What, and you have all these decisions to make. And this has happened in the Old Testament, this great illustration of fear. So here's what happens. Moses, he leads the Hebrew people out of slavery from Egypt. They are free from captivity. God sends all the plagues. They make it to the Red Sea. Pharaoh, you know, mad at him. And then he's like, changes his mind, wants to chase him down. And so they cross the Red Sea on dry land, and God smashes all of Pharaoh's army in the water. And then they hike for a week from the Red Sea. There's a pillar by fire by night. There's manna by day with a cloud. They are fed. God has protected them. There's provision. They have everything they need, and they get to the edge of the promised land. They're staring at it, just salivating, like, this is the land God's given us. Moses, he decides to send in 12 spies. So he sends in these men, these leaders, into the promised land to see if the seas are fortified, see what the fruit's like, to see what this land is about, just to check it out and come back with a report. And so they come back to the port. Hashtag, a lot of these guys are really fearful. It's a little, little news break for you. And so they come back, and some of them give them a really bad report. And this is what they say about the promised land. Verse 28, Numbers 13. It says, but the people who live there, this is the people with no faith. They said, they are very powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. And they start out super negative. Like, there's no way we can do this. And Caleb, one of two people that are full of faith, silenced the people for Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. We just walked on dry ground across the Red Sea. Come on, somebody. And he was full of hope and faith. He saw the fire. He saw the pillars. He saw the cloud. He saw the plagues. I mean, he kind of knew God could do this. But the men who had gone up with him said, man, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. They can't get past the strength of these people. They're a lot like Aaron Chai still, just really big and don't want to play against them. And so they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they'd explored. It was just too difficult. We can't do this. They said the land we explored devours. Remember that word, devours. 
the living in it, the people living in it. All the people saw their great size. And we, we saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, these giants from Nephilim, who we seemed like grasshoppers in their own eyes, and we looked the same to them. That's how they definitely saw us. I'm going to put words in their mouth. And that night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept out loud. Everybody was now upset and afraid. And the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Man, I'll tell you what, that's a great word for the American culture sometimes. People grumbled. Every four years they grumble. Come on, somebody. They grumbled against the leadership. Moses and Aaron who assembled and said to them, this is how afraid they were. This is how much fear is contagious. This is literally what they said. This is a quote. If only we had died in Egypt. Can we just go back a week and be slaughtered by the army? Like we just go ahead and die back there? Or we can just die in the wilderness? Like that would have been better than going into this land. This is 10 people gave a report, and they want to go back and kill themselves. Why is the Lord bringing us out to land only to let it fall by the sword? Or wives and children be taken as plunder? Man, wouldn't it be better for us to go back than slaves in Egypt? I'd rather put rocks up on a pyramid. I'd rather die on the side of that than sit here and go in this promised land. And they said to each other, we should choose, this is always how it works, a new leader and go back to Egypt. Which is crazy, isn't it? They were out of physical slavery, but they're still a slave to fear. Come on, somebody. And when you start a relationship with Jesus, you are set free from fear, but does not mean you're not a slave to fear. Like for your own mentality, you can like know you are with God, but then still look around you and be worried about everything else going on in your life. And so Exodus 16, 6, Joshua and Caleb, the two of the spies, had faith. So Joshua, son of Nun, Caleb, son of Jephthah, were among those who explored the land. They tore their clothes as a sign of repentance. And it said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is actually exceedingly good, as much as these other reports say. And the Lord is pleased with us. He is on our side. And he will lead us into land just like he's led us for the last week and months and all these plagues. He's going to do the same thing he's been doing. He is with us. And if the Lord's pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Super full of faith. The difference is he wasn't looking out at all the things around him. He was looking up at God, just full of faith. He says, only do not rebel against the Lord. Like, this decision is spiritual. When we take over that land, nobody will say we did it because we know only God could have done it. And so this is a spiritual decision. He says, and do not be what? Do not be, help me out. Do not be, don't be afraid. Like, don't be afraid of these people of the land because we will, oh, what's that word? Devour them. As much as you think we're going to go to land and get slaughtered, no, we're going to go to land and we're going to devour them because their protection is gone and the Lord is where? Help me out. The Lord is with The Lord is with us. You know what separates us from everybody else that makes us a church? Because God is with us. He's with us. He's with you. If you're a Jesus follower, he is with you. We're going to talk about Larry. He's holding on to you. And the difference between us and them, even though they're huge and giants, is that God is on our side and all things are now possible. So do not be afraid of them. But instead, the whole assembly talked about killing them. <laughs> isn't that cool? That's how it goes sometimes when you're a Christian leader, isn't it? You're just like, well, that's not what this not what you do. But they want to kill him. This is all because of fear. Think about this. That fear was contagious. There was 10 people came back and gave a report. All of a sudden, the entire nation of Israel, the entire thousands and thousands of Israelite people are now in utter fear and want to run for lives and go back and wish they were dead. Matter of fact, because of this, I don't know if you know the story or not, but because for every day they spent as spies in the promised land, those 40 days, they were now going to spend a year for every day, 40 years in the wilderness. It was one week 
from the edge of the Red Sea to the promised land. And now it's going to be a 40-year journey. I wonder where God wants us to go, living by faith. And what happens is those 10 spies that gave a bad report, they somehow got a plague, interesting, and died. I don't know how that happened. God was in control of that. And not a single person who didn't have faith to go in, which is only Joshua and Caleb, not a single person set a foot in the promised land. A single person. Because God was so irritated they didn't have faith. I mean, they had the fire by night, the Red Sea. I mean, if we saw that, you would think, oh, yeah, I'd have faith. No, it might not change a whole lot. And because of 10 people, contagious with fear, it infected an entire nation. Not relevant to America at all. <laughs> that would never happen. Somebody hit a headline. Oh, the world's going to flood. Like, all this stuff. Like, it's so much fear. And I wonder how much fear plagues our lives. How many of us are infected with fear? And if we're real honest with you, there's been seasons in my life where I was infected with fear. I remember I was 18 years old. I knew God had called me at 18 to be in ministry, whatever that looked like. I didn't know exactly what it would be, but I knew do more for God. I knew that. I wasn't going to live my own life, but I was struggling. Do I give up my own dreams? And I made a decision to follow God, which meant a career change, a college change, all these changes. And I remember my family not being very excited about it. And some of my friends not being very excited about it, although some were. But I was afraid of messing up because so many people told me, you can't make it. And I was listening to, or I saw a, a post by Passion, dying red part of it to me, and I saw it too. But Passion put out a post by Levi Lesko. You know Levi Lesko? He's a phenomenal church planter up in Montana, has a church called Fresh Life Church. And they said, write a letter to yourself when you were in college and tell yourself, what would you say to yourself? He said, I would say, thank you for following the voice of God and not the voice of people when you're 19, 18 years old. When your grandma said, you'll never make it in ministry, it's too difficult, it's too hard, you'll never make it, you'll never have enough money, why waste your life? That sounded really familiar to me because I actually had that conversation with my grandma, come on somebody, like literally, and other people in my family. Not everybody was like that, and that's not, I don't hold against them, but they were worried for me, and that was their way. They were afraid for me, and they put their fear on me as if they knew anything about what God was about to do, come on. But I, I was worried, like at 18, like, is this the right decision? I went to Bible college. Everybody, I could have gone somewhere else, all this stuff. Whole family was like, why would you waste your life at Bible college? That's dumb. You know, I mean, this is what it was. I was afraid to launch a church. I remember being on staff for quite a while. and knew that God was calling me something bigger. I saw some different things, or just different, I should say. But I saw some different things across the world. knew God was calling me to do something, you know. But I was afraid to launch a church because I mean, it's kind of like a mountain to climb. Like, you have no idea where it goes. How are you going to get the money to launch a church? How do you get the people to launch a church? I've never done it. Have you done it? How do you do this? Like, I, I didn't know. I was the one equipped. But I forgot that God was in it. Amen? I would forgot it. Like, if God's in it, what's going to happen? It's got to take a step. And one step at a time, instead of trying to figure it out, it didn't fit in my Excel sheet mind how God was going to do this. And I had to walk by faith. Matter of fact, I'm real honest, I was afraid that my marriage would fail if I took a bigger step, because I'd seen so many people around me. I was on staff with so many people over the years whose marriages failed. I'm talking about church staff, whose marriages in a divorce and things blew up. Matter of fact, it wasn't much different in the people around me that didn't know Jesus. It was very difficult. I saw so many pastors and leadership over the course of my 15 years now in leadership. The pastors have lost their families at the altar of ministry. You see any of that? Almost like workaholic, like the marriage of the church. And so I had to get around the right group of people. And I was like, how do you have a healthy marriage? And I've never been in a season where I felt my marriage was ever in jeopardy ever, but I'm not dumb because I recognize that they probably thought the same way at some point too. 
And so how am I going to do this? You're afraid of failure. Or like making the wrong decision if you've got a choice in front of you. And I just think about launching a church and where to launch a church. And we were thinking Hawaii sounded great. Come on, somebody. We'd spent, we spent a vacation in Hawaii. And I'm telling you, there was a church on the beach. Oh, man. God was calling us. We almost named the church. I'm not even joking. We almost named the church Wake Church because I love wakeboarding so much. I was like, wake up, like a waken. See, it wasn't cool. That's why I didn't do it. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was like right there, you know, and it's afraid to make the wrong decision. I was a top 10 in my class in high school, graduated top of my class in college, and it wasn't because I was like some super genius or whatever, but there's a lot of like that fear of failure, like, dude, I'm not going to mess up, like, I'm not losing the opportunity, I'm boom, 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 drive through, push, and you're always kind of afraid of making a mistake. And so how do you know maybe you're infected with fear today? Like, so here's some statements, if something rings true to you, then it's, it's probably there. So infected by fear. Number one statement, constantly worried about what other people think instead of what God says. So often, like we're just living down to the people around us instead of living higher and people following us. Uh, infected with fear, you find yourself trying to prove yourself to someone else, including God, maybe even you. And it's a bad place to be, and I see this a lot in the Christian world, where like you're saved by faith, and you know you're going to heaven, but you still got to earn God's love especially you dudes out there, especially if you struggle with an addiction or something, and you're like, I'm just not good enough for God, so I can't serve. I'm not good enough for God, so I can't lead. I'm not good enough for God because yada, 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 yada. And it's like this idea that you've got to be good enough for God, and you don't have to be good enough for God because he is good enough for both of us. Amen? And so you don't have to prove yourself to God or yourself or anybody else. But it's so easy to get in that mindset. Um, maybe infected with fear if you're frozen in the same spot for a lengthy period of time. Diane did not look for me. Come on, somebody. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's all good. All right. You may be infected if you often find yourself. It was a huge life insurance policy. That's what it was. She's just hoping. <laughs> I noticed it went up before we were on the trip there. You often find yourself taking control. Often find yourself taking control. I don't know, be like that. You get nervous, and the first thing you do is just, like, obsess and take everything in. You have to figure it out as fast as possible. I know during COVID started, I'd, like, put an office in my bedroom, and it's like, like, we're going to figure this out, you know? It was a challenge for type A's. Come on, somebody. I think Aaron's smiling over there. He knows what I'm talking about. You know, you just, you got to go after it, right? Um, you may be infected with fear if you've isolated yourself from others. You're wounded by somebody, somebody said something, and you're never going to get intimate or, like, close to anybody ever again. Like, it's a trauma response. It's a response of fear, worst-case scenario. Uh, you may be infected with fear if you often tell yourself negative thoughts. For real honest, most of the words we tell ourselves are very negative. And I think a lot of it comes from, well, it all comes from how you were raised. And if you grew up in a family like most families, you're probably not getting told the things you probably should get told a lot. And you remember all the things you probably shouldn't. And just remember the voice, maybe your dad or somebody's voice telling you we're not good enough or something. And those thoughts always hit your mind. Or uh, maybe you're infected with fear you feel helpless or worthless. It's so sad seeing, like, ladies and men that feel like they're amount to nothing. And because somebody spoke a word in their life or somebody said something that wasn't from God. It was from their own insecurity and fear pretty much put on somebody else. And it's so sad. But one of the cool things we do in ministry is go to front row seat to help people see past that. Amen. And maybe that's you today. Um, effective fear, if you're holding on to a past experience more than God's promises, dude, it's so easy to stay bitter and not get better and never take a step of faith again because you've been hurt. But that's not where the promise of God leads. And so you think of Caleb and Joshua, full of faith. 
You have this idea that fear is so contagious. But I've got some good news. You guys ready for some good news today? It's been kind of heavy so far. Um, but fear is contagious, but so is hope. Amen? Hope is contagious. Hope is very contagious, by the way. Matter of fact, everything kind of changes when you get a little picture of hope. We're on that Overlook Trail at Zion, and I was gone for 10 minutes, and I found the Overlook. Come on, somebody. And guess what? I wasn't really nervous anymore. I was like, sweet, we did it, right? So I come hiking down, Diane, she's like, you died, all this stuff, you got my snack, you know, whatever. She wasn't kind of like that, but um, good thing she didn't preach up here. I'd probably be in trouble. Um, but anyway, you know, I'm just like, hey, Overlook's right around the corner. It's like five minutes up here. It's not a couple hundred yards, whatever, right? And all of a sudden, it's like, whoo, come on, kids, let's go. We weren't afraid of dying off the cliff and being stranded. Everything changes, amen, when you have some hope in your life. All of a sudden, you just kind of pick up and go. You're like, the best is yet to come. Like, we didn't get lost. We're still alive. God's got a plan. we got a purpose. And so we made it up to the top of the Overlook. So uh, check this out. This is a picture of Diane, Emery, and Levi. They're smiling because they're alive. Come on, somebody. It's like, been up since 3.15. We made it. We were the first people there. Come on. That's how the Petrus roll. It's like, I don't know why it has to be a competition, but it is. It is. All right, we've got an awesome selfie here. There you go. Who's that good-looking couple? All right. All right, next picture. You'll love this one. He's killing it, isn't he? Uh, tips accepted. Um, if he wants to use them as a model, we'll take the money. Send it away. Yeah, so I sent this to my, my mom, and uh, we were obviously way past this. There's no cell phone signal, but I sent it to my mom. Her response was, oh, my God, looks like he can fall off the edge and die. And I was like, hey, no one's, there's other places you can die in, in Zion. This isn't probably one of them, but... I said it's like a thousand feet though, and he's really close. I was just kind of being rude, and um, and then she's like, "Oh my gosh!" And I said, "Correction, it's twenty two hundred feet," because I looked it up. <laughs> so it's a pretty good fall. He looks a little close to the edge. Don't call DFS on me, okay? Don't even hear about that. But anyway, yeah, it was awesome, awesome. But everything changed, right? Everything changed as soon as we had hope. But fear is so contagious in our lives. And I want to encourage you, maybe you're stuck on the trail of life. Maybe you literally are paralyzed by fear. Usually fear happens, it's a fight, flight, or freeze, right? And there's that fourth option we hardly ever want to take. It's called faith. But oftentimes in life, we're holding on instead of just letting go to God and say, okay, God, you got a plan. Bring me where you're going. And so fear is contagious, but so is hope. Here's what God says about fear. 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, for God gave us a spirit not of what? Help me. Not of yeah, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. If you have fear in your heart and you make a decision, that's not a good motivator because that's not from God. But God did give us a spirit of power, of love, and self-control. I'm pretty sure somebody's got a tattoo related to these guys in that row there about this verse. Caleb does. But of power, love, and self-control. So he gave us a spirit of power that when you like, put your feet on the ground in the morning, this is a quote from Drew who watched it at a men's thing, Satan shudders because you're up in the morning. Come on, somebody. Because you have a spirit of power. You're an overcomer. You start going down the trail of life, you're like, dude, I got this. Oh, there's some giants in the land? No problem. I'm living by faith. God's got it. He knows exactly what he's doing. Just be more faith-filled. I just start thinking, like, if I really believe that, like, God was in control, that is power in my life, what steps of faith would I be taking right now? Like, what stuff am I worried about that I wouldn't be worried about? Like, what trails would I hike if I wasn't afraid of falling? Or what would I do with my time if I knew I couldn't fail? If God was in it and was with me, then why am I afraid of the situation I'm walking in? By power, 
the spirit of power and the spirit of love. I love this because a perfect love does what? Cast out all fear. I just figured out who read their Bible. Come on, somebody. Perfect love cast out all fear. The perfect love of God in your life and how much he cares for you cast out all fear of the unknown, of your relationships, of your family, of your future. And, you know, I kept thinking, that, well, the worst thing that happens on this trail is I fall off and die and meet Jesus. Come on, somebody. I mean, it sounds weird, but it's true. One day that's going to happen. Maybe not that trail, but at some point, that's the worst that happens. That's the worst. It says, power, love, self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of your testimony about the Lord, nor of me in prison. Don't be ashamed of maybe the hard season you're going through. We have this idea, if we follow Jesus, everything works out perfectly all the time. Your poop smells like roses. Life is great. Nothing wrong. You never stub your toe. Everything's perfect when you follow Jesus. It's not true. I mean, Paul wrote this in prison, you know? And so we often think like, man, we're ashamed of what God's doing in my life. It's like, hey, if your life's a mess, God's got you. He knows exactly where you are. But sharing the suffering of the gospel with the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling. And I love this, not because of our works. Like you're not, you're not full of faith because of something you did. You're full of faith because of something God did. And you don't have to prove yourself. It's not of your work. You're not, you're not saved by grace and kept by works. You are saved by grace and kept by grace. Amen. You don't have to prove yourself to anybody. You have to prove yourself to God. You didn't earn it, you don't deserve it. Matter of fact, God's goodness is good enough for me. And somebody says, well, Sean, you're not good. I'm like, you caught me, <laughs> but God is. And God's good enough for the both of us. So it's not because it works, but I love this, because of his own purpose, God's own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Jesus Christ. Look at when he did this before the age began, that God graced our life. Like you'd put salt on a whatever food item. He graced our life and he purposed your life before the age began. Isn't that incredible to think about? Like long before that person told you that you could never do it, long before you had your maybe uh, uh, abusive relationship, long before maybe uh, you had an abusive home you grew up in, long before somebody told you or maybe you told yourself that you're a failure, long before you looked out and said the giants were big, long before you were frozen on the trail, God had already purposed you and graced you. And so you are God's long before you're anybody else's. And that changes everything because silence, the fear is silenced in your life with that. Do you know the Bible says you're God's masterpiece? I mean, I saw some beautiful things this last week, but the most beautiful thing to God is you and you're his masterpiece. He is his workmanship in Christ Jesus. He has put you together. He knit you together. I mean, the Bible says that you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. And so today there's no room for fear in your heart today, amen? There's no room for fear in this house. There's no room for fear when you're laying in bed in the middle of the night and you're wondering about your life. There's no room for fear between you and another relationship and how that's gonna work out. There's no room for fear between you and God. There's no room for fear with you in the next business deal. There's no room for fear if this thing's gonna go the direction you so badly want to go. There's no fear if you're gonna fall off the cliff. Come on, somebody. There's no fear with Jesus because you cast out all fear. Romans 8, 15 says this, the spirit you received did not make you slaves. The Egyptians didn't catch this one. Didn't make you slaves so you live in fear again because Jesus sets you free from fear. Rather, the spirit you received brought you an adoption to sonship, that you are by the spirit of God. We cry, Abba, Father. 
All of a sudden, the Spirit of God had cast out all fears. You don't live by fear, but you live as a chosen son or daughter of the King. And the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And so no matter what happens in your life, you can say, God's got this. I'm not a child of fear. I'm a child of God. And fear is no longer controlled because I know the one who is in control. And fear does not have a voice because I know a greater voice than the voice of Jesus. Amen. Like, I have the voice of victory, not the voice of fear in my life. This is what talks about God holding on to us, that God is with you. John 10, 27 and 30 says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. This is Jesus talking. He says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one is able to snatch them out of my hand. You imagine Jesus holding on to you, just got you right here. And nobody's gonna take you out of Jesus' hand. He said, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. He says, no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. So the picture is Jesus is holding on to you and God the father is holding on to you and ain't nobody gonna take you out of the hands of God, amen? No matter what you're walking through, how much fears in your life, how much infection of fears around you. If a whole nation is screaming, let's go back, we should have died. You can be the one or two people who can say, God's got it. God's got it. We're going to go in the promised land. You can be that person today. Matter of fact, I'll tell you how much God holds on to you. Here's a little illustration. Here's a picture of us up on a, this is a, the delicate arch and arches and hiking up and off the side of that, it's like 150, 200 foot just off. So do you think we're going to let go of Jack's hand? Come on, somebody. Nope. Matter of fact, he was complaining, dad, you're holding me too tight. Mommy, you're holding me too tight. Yep. You ain't going nowhere, son. But it's so easy not to want to hike these trails because maybe the fear heights or this and this and this, right? People look at us like we're crazy. You took your kids up here? You're hiking with kids? God bless you, you know? Or the best one was, wish I had that pack. Can I carry, can you carry me? It's like, sure, jump on, buddy. There's room for two, right? This is so, that's the perfect way to ride. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you're telling me, yeah. The mule, right? But there's no way God's gonna let go of you. There's no way. God has got this, and we always forget it. Like, it's just like the last, oh, yeah. And then it works out. You're like, come on, you know. Why not have more faith? And that hope is so contagious. As a matter of fact, what's cool about it is that Caleb and Joshua, they actually, and Moses and Aaron, all the leadership there, they actually had to look forward to a promise. There was a, that's why it's called the promised land. It wasn't like they are in the land. They were looking forward to the promise. They didn't live in the land. They're looking forward to the hope in Jesus and the hope of salvation. There's all promises to be done, and Jesus is the promise. Jesus is a promise fulfilled. If you read Hebrews 11, this hall of fame of faith, they are not yet seeing the promise, not knowing, but they left home. They left their family. They left their stuff, and they went on mission. But for us as New Testament believers, as Jesus followers, we look back to a promise fulfilled. Amen? We look back to Jesus Dude, there's an empty tomb. Come on, somebody. There, there is a God that lives. There's eternity that we know about. We know exactly how the story goes, and we live from a promise. And it's so different. And this is what the Bible says about us in 2 Timothy 1.10. He says, which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. And this is what Jesus said. He abolished death and brought life and immortality to light to the gospel. What was in darkness, this idea that we live forever with Jesus, eternal security, that we're immortal, that this is the worst hell we walk through, and our existence is this time on earth, is now revealed the light of the gospel. Caleb, Joshua, Aaron, all these people in the Old Testament, they didn't know this. 
but now we have the light of the gospel. Do you know the light of the gospel changes everything in your life? Like if we saw life from God's perspective, it'd be so different. Matter of fact, think about this. We're walking back from the overlook, and it's so classic. And the way there, we're so full of fear, and wonder if it's like a 10,000 foot cliff, and all this stuff going on. And we walk back, literally, our fear turned to laughter. We start walking down there, it's like, oh, it's like 10 feet down. <laughs> we were so worried we we're gonna die. That's hilarious. Like if we'd only seen it in a light, right? Now imagine if God stood up in heaven, and it's like five in the morning. He's like, hey, Jesus, check this out. Look at that pastor down there. He's so afraid of dying on that cliff at five in the morning. He didn't know it was 10 feet down. That's hilarious. I just wonder in your life, like if you could see it in the light, the way God sees it, would you even be afraid? Like how much faith would you have? Like how different would you act? You'd be like, oh, God's got it. Some of you guys would be laughing at your situation right now. You're like, oh, that was it? Man, I can't believe, I'm, that's embarrassing. God turned off. You know, don't replay that scene. I didn't know it was 10 foot down. But we see through the light of the gospel, and it changes everything for our life. Matter of fact, you know, when you talk about 25% American infrastructure going underwater, like that's a joke, even if you're not a Christian, but it's cool, right? Like God's got this. Or somebody says, hey, you're not good enough. It's like, no, no, I'm good. I'm a child of God. My dad upstairs, he tells me that every single day, and I go get him if you want to. Come on, somebody. I'm not gonna let somebody, somebody tell me I can't do this. Like God has got this. Or COVID, God's got COVID. Come on, dude. There's been a lot of bubonic plagues and black plagues and everything else in the history of the world. God is totally in control. Or the election, no matter who gets elected, guess what? God's in control. You know, God says in the Bible that he rises up leaders and he tears down leaders and he sets the boundaries of the nations. Do you think because we vote that God didn't get the person he wanted? Are we that blind to think that God's not completely in control of everything? Or that Christmas would be canceled? Come on, somebody. Christmas is canceled. I wish they'd cancel American culture Christmas. That'd be awesome. Because Christmas I follow is never getting canceled. It is already written in stone. Matter of fact, didn't they try to cancel Christmas before? When there's a little dude named Herod that tried to kill all the babies in Bethlehem and try to delete Christmas? At least I know the Grinch tried to cancel Christmas. It's not getting canceled. You never say, oh, I'm not good enough. Well, you're right, I'm not good enough because God's goodness is good enough for both of us. Hope is contagious. It's contagious. Matter of fact, hiking back from the overlook, it's so incredible how hysterical it was that we're even afraid of this hike, except for like two places we could have died. But for the most part, it was like, why in the world were we ever scared about this? And so what situation are you walking through that you need the light of God in your life today? Where are you walking that you don't think you can make it out of? Where are you paralyzed in fear? Where are you stuck today? What area of your life do you need reminded that God will never let go of you? What darkness needs the light of Jesus in your life? As a matter of fact, we don't only have that for ourselves, but we get to share that hope with other people. And it's found in 1 Peter 1, 3. It says, praise be to God, our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a what? Into a living hope that is alive today through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into inheritance, I love this, they'll never perish, spoil, or fade. That today you are a living hope. You're born into a living hope in Jesus. And it translates that you are part now of the living hope, which we like to call around here that you're a hope dealer. Come on, somebody. You could be a dope dealer for Jesus too. It's not a good idea, but you're a hope dealer. God will use dope dealers. I talked to a dope dealer for Jesus. He's a great leader now, but he... He changes ways. But you're a hope dealer. You're a hope dealer, which means everywhere you go, you're bringing the light of Jesus into other people's darkness. 
We are surrounded by people that think they're not good enough. I mean, it's so sad when someone wants to join the, or comes to a crash course, and it's like, I just never thought I was good enough to be on the team. What? You didn't think you're good enough? You don't think you're qualified? This happens all the time. Every month, somebody just doesn't feel like they measure up enough to God to be able to serve a church. I'm like, I got news for you. We ain't that special. <laughs> we love you, but we're not super spiritual people. We just fall in love with Jesus and what Jesus has done for us. So I invite you to come to Crash Course today, be part of what God is doing. But we're part of the living hope. And what does that mean we have a living hope? It means this, it means that you have an inheritance, love it, they'll never perish, spool, or fade. Where rust and moth do not corrupt, your treasure is in heaven. Do you know your greatest treasure is already secured? Come on, somebody. I know you're trying to work for earthly retirement, but you've got a retirement plan already, come on. His name is Jesus. And the worst thing that happens to you is you go home to Jesus. But it's not the worst thing that happens to most people. There is no other way. There's no one else coming. You are the hope, the living hope of the world today. And so fear is so contagious, but hope is contagious too. And you are graced and you are purposed and you are a child of the king. You have a spirit of power, of love and self-control inside of you. And you are held onto by God today. And I promise you, there is something God is calling to you in this moment that has to have a step of faith. You cannot do in your own power. I don't, how, I don't care how mature you are, I don't care how long you've known Jesus, every step that God calls you to is a step of faith. He's always wants to go into the next land. He wants to go into the next relationship and you have to walk with Jesus. And so today, I just wanna encourage you not to walk in fear, not to be worried about what's gonna happen around us in this COVID season or da 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 you start chasing that, you'll be a really, really stressed out, anxious person but that we have hope today. It's contagious. It's so cool to watch somebody bring somebody to church. Somebody came today that was invited by somebody that I'm here today and was talking to him earlier. It's like, it's so cool to watch people bring people to God and see their lives change. And so it looks like a little small, little small piece. This is very small, it's, it's so small, but it's really big. So Jana, she's here. If you know Jana, right in the front here. All right, today was her very first day of actually leading a worship song from stage. Isn't that incredible? It's incredible. Come on, give it up for Janet. What's incredible about it is we see it, like, because we sit in different, so we we onboard, how, you said you're onboard for 10 months, right? So she's been behind the scenes coming to worship rehearsals and going through all this stuff, and she's been training and being coached by, by vocal leaders, by vocalists around her for 10 months. And it's not, there's a lot that goes into this, obviously, but a lot of it is confidence, right? And a lot of it's the overcoming the stage fright and understanding what it's like to be up here. And there's this system to help people develop. And it's been so cool to watch you develop. It's our greatest privilege to help people overcome fear and replace it with the things of God and watch you grow. And so uh, I'm excited for you. So give it for Jana one more time. So cool, right? Come on. And the hero behind it the people who've been training her and believing in her. Because you know what, it's so easy for people to say something different. It's special when you step out because you're a target. And if no one's complaining about you, you ain't going nowhere. And I'm telling you, when you step out by faith, people are gonna say stuff about you. And that's a sign you're on the right path, amen? Happens all the time. So hope is contagious and that's what we love to have around here. Father God, we praise you. God, thank you for what you're doing in our church. 
God, I pray for people today that maybe you're struggling in fear, maybe infected with fear. We all have those seasons. You don't have to be uh, uh, ashamed of that. But today we're just turning to you, God. There's some of us who need to step out on faith. Maybe we're paralyzed on a trail of life. We're wondering what people think about us. We don't know which direction to go, and we're frozen. Some of us are living from the words spoken over us by an abusive relationship in the past, by the words maybe of our own parents, or maybe words of our friends. And today we're going to walk out here with the words of Jesus, and we're going to live on purpose and on mission. And we're going to remember that it's about what he says about us, who are chosen son or daughter of the king. For some of us, we're maybe afraid of making a mistake. We don't know which way to go. Just wonder if God was in every, every one of the answers, which one would we take? And so, God, help us to make decisions that follow you. God, give us faith today. So I want to pray for somebody that wants to step out in faith. Somebody wants to be a, a hope dealer, maybe. Maybe you have not been on mission as much, and there's people around you that need Jesus. And today, you're going to walk here, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to spread some light in the darkness. I'm going to let them know about Jesus. And so, Dave, God is calling you to have contagious, to have hope that's contagious, to get past fear, to lay that at the foot of the cross, and to say, you know, I'm past that, like I've been struggling, and today I'm like, no, God, you've got it. You're with me. You're holding on to me. If that's you today, you just raise your hand high and say, man, pray for me. I'm making this switch. Come on, put your hand up in this place, and I'm moving out of fear. I see your hand. Come on, put it up. Every single one of us, we have seasons, we struggle. Come on. I'm going to pray for you. Father God, help us God, not to be a people of fear, not to be worried about everything else around us, or what some man or some woman said, or even a boss or a leader, but to worry about what you say about us. God, I pray for one more group of people, and that's those of you that say, you know what, I need the living hope of Jesus. I need hope today. I mean, I've been doing my own way. I've been trying a lot of things, but today I recognize who Jesus is. They died on the cross for me 2,000 years ago. He died for my sin. He took all my wrongs, exchange for his rights, and he resurrected from the dead, defeating death, hell, and the grave for me. He has graced me and purposed me, and this is the missing piece of my life. I recognize that I'm his masterpiece, and I need to call on him today. And if that's you, and you say yes to Jesus, yes to living hope, without anybody looking around, would you raise your hand high and place. I need Jesus. Come on, let me like that today. Say, I need Jesus in this place. This is your moment. Maybe God's speaking to you. Maybe you're online. You can click the button and say, I need Jesus. If that's you, just say, pray out to God and say this. Say, Father God, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me and giving me a hope that I can never have myself. You've done for me what I can never do for myself in a million lifetimes. You exchanged all my wrongs for your rights. I'm a new creation. I want to follow you. I love you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, real life. Give it up for what God's doing today. Some hope dealers in the house. Come on. Man, if that's you today and you made that decision for Jesus, I want you to know that we are so excited for you because the hope that you've just allowed to come into your life is going to redeem your past. It's going to secure your future. And man, we want to celebrate that with you. So I've got a couple great next steps if, if, uh, if that's you today, whether you're in person with us or you're online. The first one is this. Let us know about your decision by texting RLNEXT to 97000. We'll have a connection team member just reach out to you over the phone. Their whole job is just to get you resourced, let you know how much we care about you, let you know how much we love you. We want to be there for you and help you in any way that we can. Don't do life alone. Man, we want to walk this journey with you. Other great next step for you, if you happen to be with us in person, on your way out of the worship center, there's a red bag at the back. Inside there's a Bible. There's a link to some other great resources. It's just a great way to get started off on the right foot. It's just an awesome next step. Man, as Pastor Sean was talking, I was just thinking about the, the people that I've seen and coming out of my life and just what hope does for people. And hope really is contagious. 
And maybe you're a person of hope today, but God's calling you to be something more, to be a hope dealer. No dope dealer, Sean. We're not doing that. Hope dealer. If God's calling you to do that, the best way to do that here at Real Life is to jump on the, on the dream team. And can I tell you, you got something awesome today? You can get on the dream team this afternoon by going to something called Crash Course. At Pastor Sean and Diane's house from 2 to 4.30, you can go through all of our Crash Course system. Man, can I tell you that when you go through it, you'll find out things about you, find out things about God that you never knew what was, what was real, what was going on. You know, Sean talks about, you know, when we're scared about doing something, sometimes it's not a, a fear of the job. It's a fear of, like, we don't even know where to start. Well, at Crash Course, you can get to know God. You find your freedom. You, uh, what do we got next, Sean? <laughs> I just lost it. There we go. You discover purpose. And when you discover your purpose, you can make a difference. And you can do that in this community across the world. Man, we want you to come hang out with us. Find your passion. Find your mission. Come hang out with us. Get signed up today at reallifechurchkc.com. The other awesome thing, the other great next step you can do is this, is just get connected with us through generosity. Man, I look at the faces across this uh, this church. Man, your generosity brings hope into my life because what you guys invest in has changed lives, has brought people hope through counseling. You know, we've seen people get baptized. It has just changed the faces community in the last four years because of what you guys do through your faith-filled generosity, bringing hope to people. So if you want to connect to what we're doing here at Real Life Through Generosity, there are three ways you can do that. First one is by going online at reallifechurchkc.com. Number two, you can text any amount to 84321. Or if you'd like to, to give through a cash or check, there's a giving box at the back of the worship center. Hey, take a quick sec, check out this video. Hi, I'm Diamond. Thank you for coming. Church is more than just a Sunday thing. It's all of us living on mission together and it's still not too late. You can find a life group that's right for you at reallifechurchkc.com. Heart and Soul Night is coming up and it's a night of worship, inspiration, and celebration. We wanna help you win and encourage you who serve on our dream team with our semi-annual Heart and Soul Night. So RSVP right now on our website for Sunday, October the 24th at 5 p.m. And that's it for this week. I can't wait to see you and a friend next week right here at Real Life Church. Have a great week. Bye. Man, you do not want to miss the party next week of Heart and Soul. If you haven't been to one, let me tell you, you will not be disappointed. So get signed up. We'd love to hang out with you next week for that great time. Hey, if you need prayer for any reason, we'll have a team member up here. We would love to pray with you. Hey, can't wait to see you guys again next week at 9, 30, and 11. And as always, remember, whoever finds Jesus discovers real life and purpose. See you next week.